Welcome to the Proclaim podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. Welcome back to our Proclaim podcast. Uh, If you haven't joined us in the last few weeks, we've taken the opportunity to go through a series of podcast episodes focusing on intentional accompaniment. Uh, Michael Hall, the author of Intentional Accompaniment and a missionary with CCO, and also a St. Thomas More High School grad from Burnaby, BC, uh, along with me. And uh, we're going to talk about intentional accompaniment. And our topic today is on holiness and mission. This is part of the framework in intentional accompaniment uh, that gives us a chance to accompany others from uh, starting a relationship, building trust, moving them through some of the questions they might have in their hearts, leading them to conversion uh, with uh, in Jesus to becoming a disciple. And now uh, we're at the sort of the top or the, I guess the, yeah, the top part of the framework, I guess you could call it that. And we're going to talk about the framework of holiness and mission. So thanks again, Michael, for joining us. Um, tell us about the top part of this framework, and in particular, why holiness and mission are sort of the main parts of of this part of the framework. Yeah, thanks for the shout out to STM, by the way. Uh, I was actually thinking about all the guys from STM the other day, because actually when we were recording, just yesterday was the Feast of St. Thomas More. So that was on my mind. So yeah, it's fun to have a little shout out there. Um, But yeah, holiness and mission in the top half of the hourglass. Um, So with as we've moved through the model we've we've looked at you know at the bottom half of the hourglass we're moving up from those who who don't know Jesus at all and are moving through these stages to move to to conversion and then you go through that process of initial conversion and we're really saying yes to the lord and um and now there's the rest of the journey right that that's that's you know, when we talk about conversion, or especially initial conversion, that is not the end of your journey. That is just the beginning. That's like you're really your first step in discipleship. Uh, and when I use that term, I mean your your walk with the Lord. That as a disciple of Jesus, you are now walking on that path towards Him, towards eternity, towards uh, the perfection He calls us to. But as we also know, and Pope Francis has made this uh, term really popular, the idea of the missionary disciple, that as a disciple of Jesus, our discipleship is not just about working on our interior life, although that's extremely important. It's not to, um, not to push that to the side or, or put that down or at all, but rather to say that we have these two pillars that really our life of discipleship is built upon. And, and those are holiness and mission. And this really becomes, you know, once you've experienced that conversion, that becomes the journey of the rest of your life, is growing in these two, uh, or, or building upon the foundation of these two pillars of, of holiness and mission. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm reminded of Jesus' call to the disciples, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So we follow Jesus in order to become holy, and we are also... Uh, invited to be fishers of men, to join in the mission to make disciples of all nations. And um, yeah, I, I'm reminded of the the quote from Evangelii Gaudium that uh, Pope Francis uh, used to describe missionary disciples, right? He says, we're no longer, um, I guess every everyone is a dis- uh, missionary uh, to the extent that they have encountered 
uh, the Lord. And so no, we no longer call ourselves missionaries and disciples, but we are missionary disciples. Mm-hmm. So uh, what does it look like to grow in holiness and to grow in mission? I mean, you just uh, basically asked for like master's levels courses <laughs> to try and describe those two things and, and basically all the volumes of the saints. Um, but if we want to like break it down to bare bones, um, I would say if we're, we're talking about, if we're growing in holiness, uh, I, I would look at a couple key areas that we're growing. And I mean, first off that we are growing in relationship with Jesus, that we, uh, that we are, we've, We've started that relationship in conversion, and now it's time to mature that relationship and to grow it. And so that's going to happen primarily through prayer, through the sacramental life. Uh, I think also the the growing in the life of virtue. You know that we we begin to to not you know, it's not just a spiritual action of believing, but that it should translate into our uh, our our actions as well as we you know we walk the walk, as they say. So we we learn how to to live the christian life you know in terms of treating others as we you know as the lord is asking us to following the commandments you know kind of those basic moral principles um so all of that is is wrapped up together in, in that growth of holiness i i would add in as well you know that we're growing in knowledge of the faith um you know there's so many different elements but in in the intentional coming of book we we highlight the three of the the life of prayer the sacramental life and the, uh, the, the life of virtue is kind of being the three there. But as I said, there's more you could describe uh, for sure, but that would be kind of the holiness angle. And then growing in mission, I think really is, uh, it's, it's learning to be able to share Jesus with people. And, uh, and so we have different stages that we talk about in, uh, in our model that, that people will go through from witness, uh, witnessing to proclaiming to multiplying. Um, and we can maybe break those down a little bit more, but um, but the basic idea that you're moving from just a, a a simple witness of your faith to ultimately being able to to teach others to to teach others. Mm-hmm. One of CCO's core tenets is that um, the movement proclaims the gospel clearly and simply, and this is, I think, one of those areas where proclaim as a movement and CCO find um, a similarity because one of um, one of proclaims values is that we want to break things down and to present our faith and present um, concepts clearly and simply and I think this is one of the reasons why the intentional accompaniment framework is so effective is that it does uh, break things down simply it's and it's not to take away from the richness of uh, what we have in um, in our faith but it gives us a, a way to not only understand some of the I guess the simple steps that we can help people take in accompanying them towards holiness and mission. Um, and it also, um, I guess it, it breaks it down in a way that like is, is sort of bite-sized. So as you mentioned, in the mission side, there are three steps, if you will, um, witness, proclaiming, and then multiplying. And then in the holiness section of that framework, there are some somewhat similar steps where you have someone as a beginning disciple someone who's growing as a disciple, and then someone who is maturing as a disciple. And what I like about this framework as well is that it, it really does speak to that, like, that ongoing growth. Like, there's always more that we can, um, we can grow in both holiness and mission as we are growing as missionary disciples. But it also means, like, it also shows that, um, that as soon as we have 
committed ourselves to Jesus, then that holiness and mission is uh, is attainable. And it's mm-hmm. like the beginnings is um, like we don't have to get to a certain level of holiness in order to step into the mission. Um, or that like they're separate in, I guess, in the way of growing as a missionary disciple. There's like, there's definitely like um, a relationship between the two. Well, and that's why we were using the imagery of, of an apprenticeship. Um, because the, the, the imagery there to me really speaks to the, the, the hands-on learning. You know, as an apprentice, you don't just go into a classroom, study how to be, uh, you know, a cabinet maker or a plumber or something like that, and then get thrown out into the field once you're deemed ready. You, you go, you learn, but then you're also sent out into the field and you have someone who's there and you actually practice doing that skill that you're trying to master. Um, and there's that person who's there kind of over your shoulder, not to, you know, criticize you, but actually to be a support and a, a, a role model and, and somebody who walks with you along the way. And we kind of see the same thing here that um, the, the, the church actually in the, their, one of the latest documents that came out, the Directory for Catechesis, um, talks about that stage after initial conversion uh, they call it the initiatory catechesis phase, which is kind of, I think, what we're describing in that upper half of the, the intentional company model. But it describes it as an apprenticeship in the Christian life. And that really struck me as we were preparing the book because um, I think that's just such an awesome image for what we should be doing, that we're walking alongside people and showing them how as they go. So when it comes to mission, for instance, it isn't that you sit them down in a classroom and teach them everything they possibly need to know and then send them out on mission. It's that you go out on mission with a person and and help them learn on the job while also teaching them, just like you would do an apprenticeship. You have your classroom time, you have your, your you know, in the field time. So you go and you, you teach and, and you, you walk alongside and you try something out and then you, you evaluate how that went. And then as that person grows, you can in, engage them in greater and greater elements of, of the mission. Um, and the same applies in holiness, that we don't just tell people, go pray. You know, or take them to a classroom and teach them how to pray and then tell them, now you go pray. But pray with them. You know, bring them to the sacraments. Discuss the Mass with them. Um, you know help them in their life of virtue, um, be an example. Um, and it's also a moment for correction as well. And, and, you know, a gentle fraternal correction. Um, but, but nonetheless, it's those opportunities to help someone grow. So the whole thing then kind of, I think that apprenticeship model really speaks to both the, you know, that you get kind of thrown in right away. Um, but also that somebody's always there with you and that's the accompaniment side of it. Mm-hmm. In our previous episodes, I, I used the reference of, of kayaking as a kind of a comparison to how we could lead people to becoming a disciple. In the comparison, of course, the as a kayaker, we can lead people to becoming a kayaker. And uh, I remember some of those first times learning how to kayak. And also, I, I went out with my pastor, Father Matthew, and um, he's an experienced kayaker. And I remember uh, some of the things that he was teaching, like some of the ways in which you can paddle, um, getting comfortable in the boat, understanding where to place your your legs so that your hips don't hurt. Uh, and then I remember like further in the day, at some point, he said, okay, you're going to have to learn how to um, how to get out of the boat if you get, like if you tip over. 
And of course, we had to learn how to, you know, roll and, you know, help each other out and help each other get back into the boat. So um, all that to say, I think when when you talk about the life of a disciple and all of what you shared, um, it can get really complicated and a little bit overwhelming when we have someone who has just recently made the decision to be a disciple, to put Jesus at the center of their life. And so some of those first steps are really important. So you have someone who's just become a disciple, and in the framework, uh, you kind of mark them, if you will, as beginning in holiness and witnessing in mission. So let's kind of focus in on that. What, like, what are some of the modes of, um, uh, or the, you know, the actions that an accompanier can take with someone who is beginning in holiness and uh, witnessing in mission? So I think our the primary way we want to approach this is with the mindset of equipping them, that we are going to, we're going to, to show them how. Um, and so that's going to be both, you know, through a, it could be through a classroom type setting or just like in learning, if it doesn't have to be classroom necessary, but just that we're going to, to teach them things that they don't know. Um, but we're also going to do it in a hands-on way that we're going to show them how we're going to practice this with them. Um, so that it isn't, you know, yeah, you didn't just go and, and learn how to kayak by watching a bunch of videos about it, but actually you went into the water and like, yeah, you had to do the flipping over and the, you had to get the paddle in the water and actually practice. And um, so if I'm thinking about, you know, beginner, I mean, for in terms of holiness, as somebody experiences initial conversion, in, in most cases, they've probably never had, you know, for instance, a personal prayer life. They, they probably don't really know what it looks like to take 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day to sit down and actually converse with the Lord or how to read their Bible and do it in a prayerful way. Um, they've likely never, uh, you know, maybe they grew up going to Mass, but they've never encountered Jesus in the Mass in the way that now, now that they've encountered him in this, through this initial conversion, there's something more and something new. Or maybe they're new to the faith and actually they've never gone to mass before, or maybe their last confession was at their their you know confirmation, and now it's years later. So there's all these opportunities to to teach, you know, and to help them to see the the beauty of the sacramental life, to to understand what confession is about, um, to to understand how to have a prayer life. But even better than just telling them about it is to to walk them by the hand to take them there. So, I mean. Don't go into the confessional with them, but walk with them to the door of the confessional and be there with them as they come back out. Um, you know, maybe even set it up with a, a, a priest you know who, um, who, who's willing to sit down and, and take the time with them and, and knowing that they haven't gone to confession perhaps in years or, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe it's been decades even. Um, you know, go to Mass with them and then go for a coffee afterwards and just talk about what the experience was like. Um, sit down and pray together. Show them how you would take a prayer time. You know, invite them into your life that way. Uh, that's that's the the accompaniment aspect. That's the 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 apprenticeship at play there. That they're actually doing it. Mm -hmm. And the same goes for mission. Then that you can now get them out there. That um, and it doesn't mean now you're going to put them in front of a, a a catechism class and expect them to be able to to teach everybody. But what they can do at this stage is they can be a witness to their faith. So they can speak about what's happened to them through their, their conversion. They, you can 
you can help them craft a short conversion story, you know, a testimony that they can share with other people. You can just encourage them to start talking when they talk about their weekend that they would mention they go to church now. You know, it doesn't have to be a big, huge announcement like, everybody, I'm going to church now, but just, you know, oh yeah, I went to church this weekend. It's an opportunity to, to witness. Um, and then you can, you can have them come along with you as you go into the mission field. And whether that's, um, you know, you're, you lead a small group and you want to engage them in that, or um, you have some other sort of ministry that you're doing, but bring them with you so that they get a chance to see it um, and even give them opportunities to, to be a little part of it. And in those mm-hmm. ways, you're, you're just teaching them how to be out in the mission field, even though you haven't, they aren't yet ready to be given a huge task in the mission field, but they can, they can just start to share from their own experience. Okay. As an accompanier, I'm thinking um, a couple of the key takeaways from that is to meet someone where they're at uh, in their journey and in their, um, I guess, in their discipleship. But I'm also thinking that it's teaching them a way of life. It's teaching them a way of, um, of allowing Jesus to be part of every aspect of our life. So it's not just our intellectual space. It's the way in which we um, we behave and the way in which we relate to each other and the way in which we model our day. So, um, and all that for a beginner is new things. Uh, it's, it could be breaking old habits and forming new habits, and it could be learning and being oriented to new things that were uncomfortable to us before just because we didn't know um, that, that it existed. So entering into a church for the fir- very first time can feel very daunting. Mm-hmm. So be there with them. Or, um, yeah, or learning about the sacraments, like reading church documents or scripture and all that stuff, like it can get very, um, very complicated and overwhelming, but be there with them and uh, take them through small steps. So let's move to the next part of the framework. This is the growing and proclaiming. So growing in holiness, proclaiming in mission. So let's talk a little bit about, about that. Yeah, and, and it's important to note too that you'll see the progression through these two sides of the the upper half of our model, they aren't necessarily going to happen at exactly the same pace. That one person right. might grow in holiness quickly and their mission might take more time or others will grow quickly in, in their desire for mission and, and the holiness might take longer. And, and that's okay. Right. Um, we kind of bl- see that they, they, the two kind of pull each other along. You know, I kind of think about it this way, that as, we, as we're growing in holiness, we're really growing to be more and more um, in the image of our Father. Our heart is more conformed to the Father. And what does the Father want? I mean, more than anything else, He wants His children to come into relationship with Him. So as we are growing to, to mirror the Father's heart, then our heart will replicate what His heart desires, which is for His children to come to Him. So then we'll want to go and bring people to the Father. But as we go out, we'll realize, I don't know what to do. Uh, and and I need your help. And so what does that do? It drives us back to our knees. And we just, we want to pray and we grow. We grow in in, uh, in holiness. We grow in, in knowledge. We grow in all those things so that we can be better in the mission um, and more effective in the mission. And then as we, as we grow, of course, we're growing more and more into the heart of the Father. So again, we're going to be driven. And there's this cycle that happens there. So I do believe that as we see kind of one move forward, you know, between holiness and mission, the other one will be pulled along because they really, they just go together. 
And you can't have one without the other. You can't go out on mission and forget holiness. Um, that people will see through that very quickly. That you you don't you know you aren't walking the walk. Um, and likewise, I, I believe that if we're truly growing in holiness and we're truly learning to reflect the Father's heart in our own, then we will we will love the things the Father loves, and the Father loves his his children, and he wants his children to be reconciled to him. So mm-hmm. as those things move along, yes, the growing is kind of that next stage. So um, here, somebody is really starting to, they, they're able to kind of take some things on for themselves. They don't, they don't need you to hold their hand quite as much. But at the same time, they're not at the, the place where they can live the, the spiritual life without accountability, uh, without further training and equipping. Um, they're, still, they're still growing. Um, but there is now you the, their personal prayer life should probably be um, solidified in the sense that it's something they desire. They don't need to be told that they should pray. They probably want to pray, but they're still learning how, and they probably still need to be reminded every now and then. Um, you know, hey, did you take your prayer time? And like, oh yeah, right, yeah, I got to do that. I want to do that, but I keep forgetting. Um, life gets busy, whatever. I mean, those lots of reasons. Um, they should now be frequenting the sacraments without being told that they need to, but they still need to kind of continue to grow in that. You'll probably see them beginning to pick up some of the different habits of the, of the Catholic life. Um, you know, different devotionals like the rosary or uh, divine mercy chapel, with the liturgy of the hours, these sorts of things will become more and more attractive to them because this is this relationship with God is becoming more rooted um, I think also in the life of virtue, you're going to see that probably at this point, we should see most uh, mortal sins being kind of eliminated out of their life. That's not to say that they'll never commit a mortal sin again, but the habitual mortal sins, um, they should be rooted out at this point. And, and now, you know, confession is more about moving your way through that, that process towards perfection and, and rooting out the venial sins that we all deal with. Um, so there's you know, it's just there's more there's more happening. They are they're they're growing. Uh, they don't need you as much, but yet they're not ready for you to just let them go either. Um, uh, go off on their own. Uh, that'll be a little bit more in that maturing stage. That you'll see that independence happening, where they really are fully independent in the spiritual life uh, in terms of their desire. On the mission side, so as we're we're talking about proclaiming, so we we started with witness that they. You know, they, they can kind of speak about their experience of God, but now they're, they're going to move to a place where you begin to teach them how to actually share the gospel with somebody else. So, for example, um, we'll be able to help them move from just being able to share their testimony to being able to also share the kerygma, you know, the basic summary of the gospel. Um, this might be a time when you start to, to teach them how to lead a small group. Uh, because they're they're willing, they're they're open, they want to learn, uh, but it's again a time where you're still walking side by side with them, so you don't just hand them a leader guide and say good luck in leading your your small group faith study or your alpha program or something like that. You um you you're gonna check in with them, you're gonna meet with them regularly to teach them how to do these things because they aren't yet proficient at it on their own, um, but they have a desire now that they they see that they want other people to know Jesus. They've come to understand that there is a universal call to mission um, and that they, that means them, that as a baptized Catholic, they are, 
they're a part of that. And so they're, okay. they're moving now into that place where they're able to directly proclaim the gospel. Okay. Okay. Um, wow. There's a, it sounds, it seems like there's a lot happening in the growing stage and, uh, and in this proclamation stage. And it, it certainly is, I think, um, you know, a lot of us would probably find ourselves in that, in that space, like what you're saying would resonate because we're learning how to build on some of those foundations that we've learned as being a disciple. Uh, we know that prayer, the prayer life is an important thing, sacramental life, service, witness, scriptures. We know that proclaiming the gospel um, to our world is an important thing. The people around us in Proclaim, we talk about our proximate periphery. So I would say that there is a lot of skills that would need to be developed and that an accompanier is, and maybe you can kind of help me kind of unpack this part, but an accompanier who is also growing and proclaiming and learning is walking aside someone who might just be a couple steps behind or even like right beside each other. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I think um, we don't need to feel as though we've like perfected a lot of what we know to be true in terms of practices of disciples, and we don't need to attain, you know, the highest levels of sainthood and to be the St. Francis uh, Xavier missionaries of, you know, of our world today, but we can take steps in that. And we can help people who are trying to take steps as well um, and, and learn together. But it does sound as though, like, this sort of growing space is where a lot of us find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. And it's important too. Like I just listed off a whole bunch of different things that you might do in those stages. You're going to approach these things one person at a time. I'm sorry, I should. Well, one right. person at a time, yes, but one topic at a time as well. Um, yes. You know, yeah. This is not going to be, you know, that you want to just kind of dump a whole bunch of different things on a person at once. But you're going to walk with them slowly. You're going to to see what resonates with them right off the bat, and then and kind of think, okay, then allow the Lord to inspire you. What, what would be the next step this person should take? It doesn't need to be that they take all these steps at once. It's, it's, there's a slow and steady progression that will often happen as we do this, and we kind of just deal with things one, one little item at a time. Um, and for others, it might go real fast. That's the other side. But that, the pace of, of which you will see this accompaniment is really dependent on the person you're accompanying. That you'll, you'll see their their hunger their desire how much they they take all this stuff in and internalize it um yeah some people will be so incredibly fast that you feel like it'll be hard to keep up with them uh in their growth right. and others it, this might be a, a multi-year process to help them just navigate through this one stage uh for and that can be for a variety of reasons but just the important thing is just to be paying attention to the person not pushing them at the pace you want to go but seeing what is the pace that they're moving at and how do I help them just take one more step forward? Right. I think the principle that we talked about earlier, I think it was either in the, um, I think it might've been in the con conversion episode where we said like the Holy Spirit is the principal, principal agent of evangelization. And so uh, as missionary disciples, like we don't need to um, feel that our success is tied to conversion. I think in the same way with, accompanying new disciples or maturing disciples or growing disciples, um, their growth also is not dependent on us. Uh, we're, I mean, we play a part in it, but, um, 
you know, the Holy Spirit is really where, um, like, where growth occurs. I think it's in Corinthians where you hear uh, Paul say, I, I planted it, Apollos watered it, but God causes the growth. Yeah. So, you know, Paul proclaimed the gospel, Apollos accompanied and watered and kind of taught and, uh, and, and helped uh, move uh, the, the, the new disciple, but God causes the growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Let's move into the the sort of these final stages, and and of course, like um, we know that our 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 relationship with with Jesus is constantly growing. But the the final stages of the framework are uh, maturing in holiness and multiplying in missions. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that. So one of the things we tried to do with uh, the maturing phase was to communicate that you know you're maturing. You haven't become mature. You're not done. Uh, when you get to, if you want to say, the, the top of our model, um, you've just finished the beginning of being a Christian disciple. This is, this is not the end. You haven't reached the heights of perfection or something like that. You've, um, yeah, you're, you're ready to now launch into the rest of your life. In a way, again, going back to our apprenticeship imagery, uh, you know, that now that you're ready to start your career as a woodworker, as a cabinet maker. Um, yeah, you don't get to the, the end of an apprenticeship and say, okay, I'm done. I've, I've mastered everything there is to know about this craft and uh, I can retire. No, it's, it, we're just saying you've, you just, you've just now ended the beginning. So as you're maturing, you, you're getting to this place where the spiritual life, really the, the motivation is so intrinsic it doesn't mean that you don't need accountability or anything like that in your life. We all do. I mean, you know, great saints have spiritual directors as well for a reason. Um, so it, we need accompaniment from others in our own lives. We need uh, fellowship. We need uh, we need, uh, a mentor, you know, a spiritual director, perhaps, and those sorts of people in our lives. But at this point, prayer isn't something that we do because we're we think we should it's there's this deep intrinsic desire that we we want to spend time with our lord we we look forward to that moment of of sitting down and opening up the scriptures and and allowing him to speak to us um are you going to experience that every day no i mean we're all human but for the most part you know the, we're experiencing that deep intrinsic desire the sacraments become the lifeblood of our lives as as catholics um, you know, we, we desire the Eucharist, um, we desire confession, we, um, you know, the life of virtue becomes something that, I mean, yes, everybody's got areas of growth that you're working on, but you desire to, to root out sin and to seek out perfection, knowing you're not going to ever achieve perfection. But you know, following that command of "be perfect as my heavenly father or your heavenly father is perfect," like we we want that. You know, we in a sense you could just say we want to be saints, and we're trying to make our way towards it. Um, right. So it's this maturing. You're not mature. You're not done, but you're working on it, and it's and it's it's from a deep place of intrinsic desire that, that comes. Right. I could see as an accompanier of someone who is maturing in the Christian life as it. As a as a missionary disciple, some of the conversations would be um, maybe even less about the about teaching and more about encouragement or exhortation or redirection or 
um, like helping self-awareness to grow. Um, so that's an, maybe that's kind of like a, another way to see some of the nuances between growth and maturing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think at this point, the people you're accompanying are, are going to more than likely become also the people you are now in fellowship with. Oh, totally. You know, that, yeah. that you're, you're going to see them rise to the point where actually you're looking to them for advice sometimes. Um, and they're going to call you out <laughs> in moments where maybe you needed a bit of an encouragement to continue your own growth. Um, and you'll be willing to receive that because you see the growth and the maturity that's there in that person. That It's not that they've come to your level. You know, I don't want to, it's not, that's not the right connotation, but in a sense that they have, They've, they've risen to a state of maturity that you can you look at each other now as as brothers and as sisters, um, maybe less so than like somebody I'm working with, but now it's it's now somebody I walk together with, um, and I think the same happens on the mission side that now um, you might in fact we should probably pray that we see them surpassing us in um, in their in both in holiness and mission. Um, kind of with the, I can't remember who said this now, but there's kind of like, you know, I pray that they will surpass me, but with the caveat that I am everything I'm supposed to be. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so like on that mission side, we will see them now in that multiplying, um, that they are, they're not just proclaiming the gospel, but now that they are having their own people, they are accompanying, um, and that they're, they're teaching them how to accompany others as well. And so we, we have that multiplication effect that's happening. Uh, we always refer back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, where Paul talks to Timothy and says, what you've heard from me through many witnesses, teach to uh, you know, faithful people who will have the ability to teach others. And that's a bit of a paraphrase, but um, it's the basic idea of that Paul's saying, you heard it from me, but now I need you to teach other people uh, or you heard it from me through witnesses, you know, so there were people that I taught that taught you, and now I expect you to do the same, to go and teach people who have the ability to teach people. And that's how we then see the, the, the chain of ministry continue from generation to generation. Because um, if, if we just bring one person to faith, but we don't teach them how to do that for somebody else, then in theory, that that ministry train, if you will, just stops with that last person we shared with, but we want to see that continue so that there are, you know, generations upon generations of, of missionary disciples that are being built. Um, so this is where it's, you use the term spiritual multiplication comes in. So we want to see, you know, we often use the term a multiplying missionary disciple, somebody who is, um, is equipping others to be able to equip others, to be able to equip others and so on and so on. Yeah, that's such an interesting paradigm shift uh, for our parish communities, for our members in Proclaim, and I'm challenged by it as well. I'm thinking of those communities that are running an Alpha, for an example, and we think of Alpha as a front door evangelization tool that a parish can use to bring in, like to invite new people to explore questions about faith with the hope and expectation that they would be uh, that God would encounter them and they would make a heartfelt decision to be a disciple. And so we could think of Alpha and think about like who, who could we reach and who could be, um, you know, who could be touched by the gospel. But what you're saying is that not only do we have, not only should we have that mindset in terms of 
who we could reach, but who could they reach? Uh, you know, once we're able to reach them, or once God is able to reach them through us, and so, like, to me, that just becomes like this sort of exponential dreaming that um, you know that starts to bring us closer to the heart of God. Like He He desires for that one person that we can reach, and He also desires for every soul to come to know Him. And uh, and so for for any of you that are in particular ministries right now in your parish communities or in Proclaim where you're leading a discovery study or an alpha course or any other evangelistic um, program, who in your, uh, within your programs could um, they reach? Who can, um, yeah, basically like think about that, that multiplication sort of mindsets, like who is down the line relationally from some of these people that we get to work with, who they can reach and, um, and begin to dream and to, uh, and to ask God for the skills and the knowledge and the, the grace to, to help that multiplication happen. And the beautiful thing is that when you have that mindset, you will see, uh, you'll see these amazing things happen that you never really could have even dreamed of in a way. Um, right. Uh, to me, uh, there's one story that always stands out to me. There was uh, you know, a good friend of mine, his name's Jeremy, Eric would know him well, um, and, and I got a chance to be able to accompany him when we were both university students. And he kind of, he went through, he had a massive conversion. He, uh, he was not Catholic. He became Catholic. Uh, and then we, we both joined CCO staff team. And Jeremy went on to become one of the most prolific missionaries I've, I've ever seen in working with young men. Um, and I got to realize the power of spiritual multiplication one time when I was down in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University. And um, I was meeting with one of their student leaders and we'd gone for a, a long walk. I'd never met this guy before. His name was Jamie. And we went for a long walk kind of by the St. Lawrence River and went back to the Newman House chaplaincy at, at Queens. Um, and as we got near the end of our walk and, and our conversation, uh, he mentioned that he had been, uh, that the guy who had led him was a guy named Scott. And Scott, I knew, had been led by a guy named Dan. And Dan had been reached by Jeremy. And I realized in that conversation that I was sitting in Kingston, Ontario, and a little Bible study had started in my parents' living room in Delta. I was now meeting with people who were generations down the line because Jeremy had not just embraced a proclaiming mindset, but he embraced a multiplication mindset. And so when he reached Dan, he shared the same thing with Dan, and Dan shared the same thing with Scott, and Scott shared the same thing with Jamie. And there we were. And I remember actually when we got back to the Newman Center, uh, both Dan and Scott happened to be uh, sitting on the stairs, and we kind of sat there all and realized the chain that we were a part of and went, whoa, what just happened? Um, and, and that's the crazy thing that happens with multiplication is that we if we... Uh, the the phrase we'll often use in CCOs, if we pass on both the message and the mission, that we don't just pass on the, the message of the gospel, but also the, the mission and the mission of sharing with others so that they can share with others that, um, and I think we will see that in our, we can see that in our parishes. We can see that in our, our communities at home. It doesn't have to be just, you know, in a, in a university context that it can be anywhere. Michael, thanks for sharing that story. I think it's so encouraging to hear, and I think a grace that you were given 
uh, eyes to see that that spiritual legacy. Uh, not all of us have opportunities to be able to uh, witness to the spiritual legacy like that. And so I want to encourage each and every one of you who are listening to continue in your evangelization efforts with a great expectation that there can be a spiritual legacy. I mean, all of us can thank the apostles who Mm -hmm. faithfully responded to the first invitation from Jesus himself to go and make disciples, and uh, and we're beneficiaries of it. We are. We can. We can say, we can be thankful for those first apostles and for all of the holy men and women who have, um, you know, have gone before us and have um, and have witnessed to faith. We are. We are down the chain, the spiritual chain, the spiritual legacy of all of these individuals who have, uh, who have not only passed on the message but the mission. So I think we're going to wrap it up there for this episode. Uh, but I have Michael on for a few more episodes to do some more of our, a deep dive in our series focusing on intentional accompaniment. Uh, if you're interested in getting the book, Intentional Accompaniment, you can go to store.cco.ca to read more about this framework and this model. And uh, we've got a few more episodes to, to share with you. So I hope you stay tuned. And thanks very much for listening.